0: this week at Hope Point.
1: This is what we have to look forward to. This is the promise to the church of what will happen. There's room for an amen there, yes. Every nation, every language, every tribe will be represented that day. But that's not true yet. It's not true for 2023. It's not a reality we can claim yet. And so we have work to do. Urgent, needed, valuable work. And there's no greater work that we can give ourselves to.
2: We're so glad to have you join us for today's message. We pray that it would challenge you and encourage you to applaud God, follow Christ, and live on mission. Let's listen now as Caleb speaks to us from God's Holy Word.
3: My name is Amber Martin. I'm Patrick Martin, and we serve with Crew. For 10 years, we worshiped with you at Hope Point and served on the campuses of the upstate of South Carolina. About two years ago, you sent us to Orlando, Florida to serve at Cruise Global Headquarters, where today we serve and and help give leadership to our team serving both in the United States and around the world. Because of your partnership this past year, over 21,000 students and faculty have engaged in sharing the good news of Jesus with others. Because of that, 54 million people have heard the gospel, and 966,000 people have decided to follow Jesus. Let me tell you just one story of what that that has looked like. This past week, a group of college students from uh, North Carolina and South Carolina came down to share their faith um, on the campuses of Orlando. And some students from the College of Charleston and uh, Coastal Carolina uh, were on campus and and they approached a young woman who's a student at UCF. Uh, She's originally from Peru, but she's studying here now. And as they began talking about Jesus, uh, this young woman uh, sort of paused and said, "This, this is just crazy because in January I bought a Bible. And for the past couple weeks, I've been praying and asking that God would send somebody to explain this to me because I just don't understand it. And so they continued talking and over the course of this conversation, this young woman decided to place her faith in Jesus. And then after that, the the team of students was able to connect her with the local ministry uh, here in Orlando.
2: Thank you for sending us. We're so grateful for
3: your partnership And we hope you're greatly encouraged today as you hear stories of God at work, both down the street and around the world. We love you guys and we miss you. Bye.
1: Definitely worth a clap there. That's that's what happens when a church recognizes that it is part of one church. When Hope Point recognizes that it's bigger than Hope Point, when they're willing to look at leaders, gifted individuals, believers who are using their skills to serve the church and the body of Christ and say, you know what? The mission is bigger than just us, bigger than just Asheville Highway. Because we were willing to release them and send them to Orlando, you you hear the fruit of that. Churches that that just cling to their leaders and don't want them to go out into the world miss the opportunity to be a part of what God is doing to fulfill the Great Commission, both here and to the ends of the earth. And it's because we let them go, because we were willing to take that hit, now the gospel is being proclaimed in ways that it wouldn't have been otherwise. And now we get the privilege to hold the ropes for them here and support them as we pray for them, as we give to their ministry, and the many other crew staff that are part of our church uh, serving here in Spartanburg, we get to partner with them in this great work of making disciples all over the world through the ministry of college students that that they have. So what a great thing to celebrate. Well, you've seen joining me up on the stage a a group of of individuals that I'm so excited to introduce you to. This is our panel today. Each of these uh, individuals are members of our church here at Hope Point in Spartanburg, but they are using their life either as a volunteer to serve in ministry or vocationally full-time in ministry and I, I want to introduce them now first we've got saw your root he's a, a, a volunteer for Sidewell cope you just heard about a few minutes ago from marcia tolls we've also got amy henderson a volunteer for english crossing a ministry that, that operates right here in our building throughout the week and then we've got david sullivan the development coordinator for set free and we're going to hear about that ministry in just a few moments. And our director for Silk Road Catalyst, Steve Shermer, as well, joining us. So this is our group. Uh, I, I want to just run through real quickly. Uh, if you guys would, wouldn't mind summing up for us, what is the ministry that you serve with? And what highlight for us the need that's being met in that ministry?
4: Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> at Sidewalk Hope, uh, Sidewalk Hope is a mobile um, a mobile ministry here in Spartanburg that delivers the gospel to... Uh, Currently over 300 kids in the inner city of Spartanburg. Um, The goal of the ministry is to meet the full range of needs from physical, um, spiritual and emotional needs of the children that are receiving the gospel and the families as well. Um, So just the way that looks is the big yellow bus, as all the kids will refer to it as, pulls up into a neighborhood, um, specifically a neighborhood of uh, low poverty, and or sorry, high poverty, um, and opens the side down into a stage. There's um, games and playtime for the kids. There's then a time of worship, um, a Bible lesson, and then uh, all the kids get snack bags as well. So...
2: Um, English Crossing is a ministry of Hope Point um, run by Katie Tucker and Elisa Mason, and we offer free English classes to internationals in the area. And our hope is that through these classes that we will um, develop trusting long-term relationships with our students and that we will um, display the love of Christ to them. Since September of 2022, we have 380 new students um, as well as our returning students and this huge jump um, is a result of so many coming to flee uh, the war in ukraine Um, and so we meet on monday and tuesday nights and we have our english class and we also have a bible story that we read um, and talk about together and the goal for each week is that we present the gospel clearly at every class. And we do that with the adults and with the children.
5: So, um, with Set Free, uh, since our foundation by a local upstate man over 20 years ago, um, faith has set Set Free apart. So, in everything we do, um, every deep water well we drill, every mobile medical clinic we conduct, and every child we rescue from slavery, uh, we seek to provide freedom in Jesus Christ, in the power of Jesus Christ. And uh, you know, meeting the humanitarian needs is our method, uh, but our mission is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and making disciples of Christ. There's an estimated in 2023, this is crazy, in 2023, there's 771 million people that do not have access to clean water. Uh, And there's also an estimated in South Asia alone, 10 million child slaves, 10 million, from the ages of seven to 12, so.
1: Let's run that back one more time. Make sure everybody heard that
5: as we sip on
1: hot, warm, clean coffee. Run those stats back one more time
5: seven hundred seventy one million people that do not have access to clean water at all Um, and then uh, um, child slaves so kids that are seven to twelve years old that are property that have been sold by different reasons Uh, and and so it is our goal Uh, to show them the love of Christ, right? So we we get to rescue them out of their situation. We get to save them, set them free from waterborne disease by bringing clean water. We also get to literally set captives free and uh, tell them about Jesus Christ, who was ultimately the one that saved them.
0: So Silk Road Catalyst, our vision is about ending gospel deprivation. And so to give you some context of what I mean, Uh, Here in Spartanburg County, the population is about 300, 330,000 people. So there's about one church for every 500 people in this county. One of the places where we serve has the same population in South Asia. And this community that we have a team in, there's zero churches for 300,000 people. And so when we're trying to end gospel deprivation, it's just not about going to lost people. It's about going to people who don't have access Mm to the gospel, whether it be through a local church, a missionary, or through local believers. And they represent about 2.2 billion people in the world. And 47,000 of them every day, today included, will die, uh, never having one opportunity to hear the gospel. And uh, another stat that I forgot to share earlier was 86%, because these are the people we predominantly work with, 86% of all Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists do not know one Christian personally. And so our goal is to take the gospel to them through a variety of means, plant churches, and give them access.
1: Those are some staggering numbers there that you hear. And if you're curious as to why we have put such an emphasis as a church on this region of the world, I hope that provides some context for you. Here on the, the screen, you'll see what's known as the 1040 window because of the latitudinal lines on the, on the map. But the, this area of North Africa, the Middle East, South Asia, East Asia represents the largest window of lostness in the world. And you heard those stats, 2.2 billion lost people here, 47,000 dying every day. That, that means more than one dying every other second and not just dying as though their life is ending, but dying and being faced with a Christless eternity, a hopeless eternity in which they will be forever separated from a person they never had the opportunity of even meeting, being introduced to. And so this is why we as a church have put such an emphasis on strategically partnering with, with missionaries and organizations who are targeting that region, and particularly that region of South Asia where there are just such a huge condensed population And with that, massive amounts of lostness, as we've already mentioned. It's interesting to note that of all the Great Commission resources out there, all the money being given to mission work from our country, only about 3% of that goes to this area. Doesn't make sense, does it? This is where the most lostness in the world is. This is where the greatest need is, and only about 3% of our funds are going there nationally. About 2.5% of our missionaries are going there. So there is such a need and an urgency to put an emphasis on targeting this specific region, which is why our churches sought to do that with our mission partners. That's why that's what we're representing up here today with our international partnerships is that particular region. Not to say that we don't care about the rest of the world. We certainly do. But a lot of our resources are already going there. So let's target the places of greatest lostness. Uh, they're, they're lost and they're dark and they're unreached because these are difficult places. It's not easy to live in these places. It's not easy to, to, to present the gospel to someone and see them repent and turn from their sins because they're so entrenched in lostness. They, they don't even have a context for what it means to, to meet Jesus. So, so glad we get to highlight them today. Um, I, I'm curious to know, You know, I mentioned we have some, a mixture of volunteers and some who are full-time vocationally involved in ministry. What is it for you guys that maybe moved you out of the pew of just being a, a regular member in a church to being up here now as, as a representative of a ministry. Can you lead us so, off? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, it's a simple, simple answer, answer um, but, but I, I think
4: it's nonetheless it's true it's, I got saved. saved. Um, <laughs> just just a, a, a short blip of my testimony, testimony as I was raised, raised in the church, church. Um, my, my family, family was really active, active but I, I had absolutely no, no understanding of the depth of my, depth of my sin, sin um, what really uh, salvation uh, was and the freedom that came through Christ. And uh, <clears throat> I, I just had, just had this mis- con- m- you know, this, perception this perception that uh, uh, ministry was for people, people and only for people that were called to it. it. Um, after, after becoming, becoming a, Christian, a Christian, I realized that uh, the purpose of a Christian is, is the same across the board, the board if you're a Christian, Christian which, is which is to know Christ, Christ and it. to make Christ known. And so at that point, it wasn't a question of, of if, there would be some kind of service, but, but how? And uh, praise God right now, that means sidewalk hope, but uh, the reality is, is wherever Christ leads me is where um, I'll serve. Awesome, awesome.
5: Oh. Hey, if you were one way selling insurance and now you're free slaves, uh, connect the dots there. Oh man, uh, like I said earlier, that, that could take me about five hours to, to talk about that, but real brief. Um, Unmerited favor. That's, that's it, I could pass the mic. Um, it's, um, it's just been a humbling experience to be a part of a body of Christ in Hope Point that has so been, been so intentional over the years to, to go deep into missions and the ends of the earth and the 1040 window. And for whatever reason, God just kept opening up doors, more and more doors, as I was an insurance man for 16 years. Um, but that was not my identity. My identity was found in Jesus Christ, and He cultivated that. You know, the Holy Spirit cultivated that more and more, and a deeper understanding of that, and a deeper understanding that He owns all things, right? 20, Psalm twenty four one. He owns all things. And so, by God's grace, continually over and over again, I, I got to be a part of the, the mission team here at Hope Point because we were smaller then, back in 08, 09. Richard kind of noticed that. Passion and working with uh, a local inner city mission here that I was a part of. And um, the teaching that was stirring my heart and and the growth there, I thought maybe I would go somewhere, but that wasn't God's plan. And so, um, with that deeper understanding that it's all His and to be a good steward, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 happened. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, it's basically said there's no greater gift than grace, but you don't own anything. And so, be a good steward. He blesses you to bless others. And uh, and all those, the big term of the word blessing. So, um, praise God, I was able to do that. I was able to travel around the world with uh, Ronnie, our former missions pastor, and uh, Richard. And so, he opened opened my eyes to that and uh, been blessed. That's awesome. That's awesome. For our other two
1: panelists, I'm curious, what, what would you say are some of the maybe misconceptions that that the American church or an American Christian might have about what it means to fulfill the Great Commission?
2: Um, I think that one of the misconceptions is that you need to know the scriptures like a seminary graduate, and that you need to be able to present them in some sort of perfect format to complete strangers. Um, The thought of that is very overwhelming to me. I am relational and just a natural teacher And my mission style is more about earning the right to be heard. Um, I just really believe that through spending time with people and serving them, that they will just see the love of Christ flowing out of me and that God will um, then open the door for conversations to happen um, in his perfect time and so um, english crossing has really put me in the position to have those kind of relationships and to do just that another misconception is that you need to have some specific skill and i've just really found that god can use anything that you have learned along the way or any gift or talent and so even though My primary uh, volunteer position at English Crossing is to teach English. God has recently expanded that ministry into um, helping internationals apply to technical schools and four-year universities. Um, I have a college senior and a college freshman, so I learned a lot um, during the college admissions process with them. And God has just really used that. And it started um, when my student, Mildred Martinez, came to me in 2021 and said her dream was to be a nurse. And um, today, she is a CNA, and she is just continuing with her training. Um, And then this past fall, um, I had a student, Anastasia, who came to me and had fled the war in Ukraine. She um, had graduated high school there. And she told me that she wanted help, asked me if I would help um, her apply to American colleges. She didn't know anything about the process. And I knew right away that God had, this, God had brought this girl to me, that there was a reason that she came to my class, um, that this was a, for such a time as this moment. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway. Of course I didn't know she was brilliant at the time and that she was going to be applying to Ivy League schools (laughs) and it was going to be a lot more work than I ever ever realized but we have together edited um, about 30 deeply personal essays for schools and scholarships and I don't know what the result is going to be yet Um, ask me in May but um, We've had some obstacles and disappointments along the way, but God has been faithful, and we've seen Him working. And while He's closed some doors, He has opened others. And so, um, what I just want you to know from this is that anything that you can do, any skill, any lesson that God's taught you, um, He can use it if you have an open and willing heart. It's
1: a great point. Really great point for each of us to hear that there is a part for us to play. It doesn't have to be a traditional one, there's many different parts. Anything to add there, Steve, as far as misconceptions?
0: I think the, the biggest one I come across is that there's a, um, a belief that there is no place where the gospel hasn't gone. Like it's everywhere. Okay? Um, you know, we, we look in our own community here, we see Um, In in many ways, gospel saturation, churches, Mm -hmm. every street corner, Christians, Christian radio, Christian television, everything. And we think that what we find here is what we're going to find 8,000 miles away. And and in many cases, that's not always true. Like I shared earlier about the 300,000 people in one community with no church. So um, this idea that the gospel has gone everywhere yet is false Mm -hmm. right now. And just to piggyback off what Amy said, I, and there's also a belief that you gotta have formal education. You know, you gotta be a pastor like Richard or Caleb. Uh, you gotta be a formally trained missionary or something to, have, to do anything good, and that's false as well. I know many pastors abroad who have no formal education because they don't have access to it, yet they're planting churches faster than we can mm. in the West with all the resources, With um, all the training, all the seminars that we have available, they're doing it at a much faster rate than we are here. That's a great point. While
1: you've got the mic, recently, uh, you know, with the earthquake that hit the Middle East, we had a, the chance to come alongside you and Silk Catalyst to, to send you on a trip um, and, and step into some of that need. Give us a, a quick update just on how that, that time was. And
0: Well, quick considering the circumstances is challenging, so I'll try. So uh, first I just want to say thank you because out uh, of the $40,000 that was given to this earthquake relief that we were, that were involved in still, about 30, 35% came from this church. And so you guys played a huge role in this. Um, the situation today uh, in Turkey and Syria, uh, as of today, there's over 53,000 people who have been confirmed dead and that's not counting the probably equal numbers of people who are still missing. There are two million people from that area have gone to live in other places or trying to live in other parts of their country. A million and a half are still there, homeless. You've got um, 680,000 homes destroyed. Um, I mean, just think of that devastation if it was here in the upstate. And so uh, next week, there's a guy, uh, Noah, in this church. He might be in the service. I'm not sure. I haven't seen him, but... Uh, Noah and I, along with a friend from Malaysia, we're going to be heading back there to that region next week uh, to continue this work. Uh, Last week, we sent a couple, a Palestinian couple, which I know there's a picture there somewhere. Um, Actually, a few of you in here might know them, who's been to another, working with another partner with the church. Uh, We sent them to uh, the earthquake zone. They're still there distributing aid. Uh, The money that's been given, we've been able to provide blankets and clothing and food and baby formula and tents now. And, and the need just keeps growing. Originally, we were gonna serve 40 families. We're up to 128 now, uh, 128 Syrian families. And, and the reason we're serving Syrians is because they're getting the least amount of aid out of everyone. The silver lining in all this, if you wanna call it that, Uh, Because obviously the devastation is horrific, but the silver lining in all of this, according to the pastor that we're working with, who is Syrian, is that he has never seen in his entire life Syrian people more open to the gospel than they are right now since the earthquake struck. Really earthquakes, because there's been five earthquakes plus 12,000 aftershocks. Mm -hmm. Every time they deliver a gift that we have been supplying for them, the doors are just throwing open to, are just going open to share the gospel. He's never found it this easy. So thank you again for giving, because it's helping get the gospel. And then we also have a short video from the pastor who wanted to say something to you.
6: My, I'm uh, Pastor Armand. i I'm leading the Refugee Church in Istanbul. So uh, and in this earthquake, God give us chance to. Uh, help people who's run away from the city. So I will just say thank you so much for all helping and uh, offering you to try to help in this uh, area. It's really mean a lot to us and it's really
1: uh, fit the situation now. Pray for us and thank you so much again. Wow. Wow. Love seeing this. What happens when I mean, this is, this is what we mean by one church that a church in Spartanburg raising funds and sending two of its members to the Middle East to partner with a Palestinian couple to join forces with a Syrian pastor to send resources and aid in the gospel message to Syrian refugees. This is one church what it looks like when we come together as one and say this one message that we have, this one mission that we have joins us all together. Let's not stop until the work is done. So thank you so much for sharing that update. Um, Great to see that happening. I'd love to bring it back to the local end and hear a story from you, Sawyer, if you don't mind, of just what's happening here at at Bartsdale.
4: Yeah. um, Yeah. Again, I think I speak for, I know I speak for every panelist when I say that uh, (laughs) we are just so limited on time and we could just talk for hours about what god is doing and i just want to take a moment to praise god for that because he is just at work constantly um but specifically right here in our backyard um at the barksdale campus of sidewalk hope we've had the opportunity to expand to meet with the youth as well so the the ministry in and of itself is geared towards um grade school kids so uh, well really babies to fifth grade but um We've had the opportunity to expand to the youth, and this last week was our second week meeting with the youth, and uh, it has just been awesome. Uh, The first week, we had 10 kids show up, which I was so excited about. This last week, we had eight kids show up, um, and I've been really, really praying and just trying to um, really let God lead me on what we're going to talk about, Um, how are we going to just Uh, just come into fellowship with one another and just be accountable with one another and really make it a community that that we're kind of forming here. And uh, so I showed up this last Monday really with that heavy on my heart and and praying through that. And uh, after a brief, just a brief conversation about what the point was, um, walking through the gospel with them, trying to draw on their current knowledge and just walking through what the gospel really is and explaining that that is the whole point of why we're meeting. I opened it up um, to questions and to um, just any any topics that they might want to bring up that they'll want to talk about. And I mean, it was just amazing. You, you got to understand most of these kids have some um, Christian exposure, but none of them had a clear understanding of what the gospel was. So even while we were talking through the gospel, their gears were just turning. You could just see that their uh, understanding was being expanded, and that they were they were just uh, well they were firing off questions before I even opened it up, and I, it was just awesome. But once once I opened it up and I said, "What do you guys want to talk about?" the the questions that I were getting were just or that I was getting were just amazing. Um, things like. Um, Well, they wanted to talk about Greek mythology, and obviously we're going to tie that back into its relation to Christianity. Um, They wanted to know what's the difference between Christianity and Islam. Um, They wanted to know about what if all religions lead to God? What if Nirvana, which is an Eastern understanding, but what if Nirvana is the same thing as heaven? Um, And I'm just floored by these questions and and seeing an opportunity to talk about to talk about idolatry and to talk about the exclusivity of the gospel one of the girls was asking about slavery in America and how that is connected to Christianity what is the tie there and and how can that be justified because that's a conception or misconception that's had is that Christianity justifies this somehow and so They're asking these deep, deep questions, and I'm just floored because each one of these topics we could spend months on, and it was such an answer to prayer (laughs) that I was not prepared for. Um, And so, that's uh, talking about the misconception of needing to be schooled. um, Man, (laughs) sometimes, you know, I don't feel prepared, but. To see God working in these hearts and minds in the way that he is right now, I can only be just overjoyed in knowing that this is God's work and he will see it to completion. And it's just amazing. I mean, just a quick last little little blip is uh, towards the end, one of the kids actually asked me if I would come out and meet with them twice a week, which was amazing. I was floored and I was like, "Does that actually something you guys want? And they were all like, yeah. And w- at that point started planning. When would I come out? When, one's a good day. One's good for them. One's good for me. And I, I just walked away praising God. I, I was calling people the whole ride home. Like, you, you've got to hear what God is doing right now. Um, and I know that I went over time, but it okay. just
1: is amazing. <laughs> He's going to need help I mean, to, to add another day to be with these kids who are clearly hungry. I mean, they're searching. They're seeking. And we have what they're looking for here we just need a few more people to say, hey, Sawyer, I'll join you on Monday afternoon or whatever second day you guys decide on as well. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, can, David, can you zoom us in to maybe one specific thing, a, a story of, of what, what you've seen? I know you could, again, tons of pictures, tons of videos we could look at, but just briefly, is there
5: a quick one? Yeah, if, if they want to show the video, um, all of them be good. So you get to see uh, children rescued that they understand it's because of Jesus. And so they've accepted his mercy. And now they're crying out and they get to sing like that twice a day in chapel that they have. And um, that was me with a little cell phone video. And um, and it'll it'll stir your heart toward love and good deeds. Um, And so I've been privileged to see that. Um, If we have another little slide real quick. Um, yeah, so this is some older girls that are now leading uh, Bible studies that have been rescued out of terrible situations. Now they're older. They, they speak English pretty good. There's euangelions from this church that they get to use, and they're uh, telling others about Jesus that I was able to give to them, and it's amazing. That little gift just lightened their day. I made their day, you know, lighten them up, and um, hopefully we'll show this one more little quick. Yeah, okay. Um, the next one, please. There, yeah, so that's what happens when you try to escape child slavery, they break your limbs, and I, I share that with you because we're, we're holistic care, we've got 8,000 kids we're caring for currently, and so a lot of the care is medical care, so that's expensive, right, so, um, but we're able to fix his arm and, uh, and tell him again, Jesus loves you, this is because of Jesus Christ, there's people around the world that love you, that are supporting you, so.
1: And as these hundreds of kids sit, sit in rows and together raise their arms and sing, and they sing to a rescuer, they understand that in a, in a deeper way than I think most of us do, having been rescued both literally and spiritually. I mean, they, they it just... Their, their passion for Jesus, even those girls with the Evangelion books, is rescued slaves now making disciples of these young kids. I mean, they get it in a way that I don't think we necessarily do, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, as we wrap up, I just wonder if we could run down real quick. I know that uh, there are many ways that we could partner with you, and obviously for all four of these organizations, there's a constant need for funding, so giving is one way, but Praying and going are, are the other two primary ways that the body of Christ actively partners with you. So real quickly, what's, a, what's one way that we could do either of those in a specific way for our people to hear?
0: So for us at Silco Castle, we have something called the Global Prayer Network, which is a, it's really a global team. We have a team here in the U.S. We have a, a team or two in Uganda and we're building some others in other parts of the world. And we have a lady here in Spartanburg that, that sends out information on a regular basis of how you can be praying for those that we are serving, like the Syrians in the earthquake zone, um, as well as those who are being served. And of course that ties into uh, like what Noah's doing with me in a couple of weeks from this church of going to uh, the area. So we have opportunities like that as well. Awesome.
5: Um, God is calling his people to pray. And so um, he's definitely calling me to do that. And so uh, one thing I'm doing with Set Free now in, in the development is to develop a, uh, a prayer team that will have a specific time that intentionally prays about something that a challenges that we're facing and um, just a little asking for a five-minute prayer slot once a week and just to be intentional to pray for Set Free and some of the challenges that our partners face over there. Um, you know, for me, there's nothing more powerful than we can do to pray. I mean, when... when Jesus tore the veil from the top to bottom and gave us direct access to the Father. Who are we not to pray all the time and bring, petition him uh, and it, it'll move him? So, um, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, this prayer need for all of these is we cannot underestimate it. I mean, when Jesus looked at, at the, the crowds of lostness, his reaction was, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That was it. Like, that was response number one, pray. And he said that he would send more laborers into the harvest. So church, we want to come alongside them and we want to pray for God to do just that. But the sneaky thing about praying a prayer like that is that chances are you will somehow be the answer to that prayer. As you pray for laborers to be sent to Barksdale and here on Monday nights and on a vision trip with David and maybe to the Middle East even with with Steve, you might be the answer to that. You might be the laborer sent. So pray cautiously.
2: So, in addition to prayers, um, we do need um, teachers and assistants to work in our classrooms at English Crossing, um, and that is on Monday and Tuesday nights. You can also serve on a rotation every other week. And no, you do not need to know another language. You don't need to have formal um, teacher training um, either. And so, and then another very, very important need is childcare because we um, do have a program for the children so that the parents can learn in their classrooms. We offer something um, to take care of their children while they're meeting. And this is such a huge um, ministry, and I think people underestimate um, keeping the kids and how important it is. But we have children that have just left. The war in Ukraine, they have experienced great trauma, and they've come here, and no one can understand what they're saying. And they come to this building, and their parents need to go to class, and these children are terrified. And so we need people who can... To show the love of Christ to these kids, um, the class is very structured. Um, it has a Bible lesson, um, crafts, and um, activities. But it's just—it's just a a big need and a very important job. Um, You can serve on a rotation with that. Um, And it's also a great opportunity for families to serve together, even if it's once a month. that's a great opportunity to teach your children um, how to serve and how to be a missionary just on a Monday or Tuesday night. Um, We need people to help with registration and greeting. Um, We need people who would be interested in doing individual tutoring with students. We get requests for just tutoring or extra help during the week, and that could be done on your time schedule. Um, Another thing that we offer occasionally um, throughout the year are Bible studies for certain, um, usually six weeks, and um, last year I had a student who came here um, from BMW, worked for BMW for nine months, came from Europe. and. he was not a believer. And each week, um, as we did the Bible story, I could just kind of sense his heart softening, and he just seemed more interested every week. Um, and so when the class um, broke for the spring, um, we offered this couple and our church, stepped up and offered a Bible study. And um, this man signed up for the Bible study And he went, and then he started meeting with the husband. And the week before he went back to Europe, um, he prayed to receive Christ. And so we need people who want to disciple and lead Bible studies also. So um, again, whatever your skill is, um, whether it's helping people write resumes, teaching citizenship classes, serving in the nursery, or leading Bible studies, um, we would love to have you.
4: Yeah. Sidewalk Hope can always use volunteers. I mean, just that that's there's a lot of different ways you can serve with Sidewalk Hope, but specifically just we need volunteers. Um, The Barksdale campus is literally 30 seconds away. It's two turns. It's right over there. Um, It was started, we started in Barksdale or Sidewalk Hope, sorry, started in Barksdale specifically because Hope Point was coming to this location. So it was with the idea in mind that Hope Point would provide um, support to Sidewalk Hope generally, but specifically with volunteers here at Barksdale. Um, right now we have people coming out, praise God, but just a couple more people would, would go such a long way. Um, you know, like, like I said, before we're expanding to the youth, And uh, as we do that, part of the way through the children's time, I step away to go and meet with the youth. And uh, many weeks, I feel like I'm leaving the team shorthanded with the kids when I do that. You know, um, praise God, I get to be with the youth, but just a couple more people to sit with the kids and just love them. Um, Most of these kids will not experience any love like Something simple like sitting down with them and spending time with them while they're at home. And if we can give them that for one hour on a Monday, then praise God for it. I mean, it, it's one hour on a Monday, you know, for, for the love of a kid. And just to that, Mondays, <laughs> afternoons, um, there's a couple different times if, if you can't make all of it. Three o'clock, we're here loading the bus up. Um, 3.45, we meet over at the campus, and then if you can't make 3:45, 4:30, the youth, the the high school and middle school bus gets to the area, and that's when we'll start with the youth. Um, so, a couple different
1: areas there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for sharing that, putting it in front of us. I hope each of you hears that there is plenty of space for you to step in. And, and that what we're asking of you as a church is not for any one of you to try to fix everything, but for every one of you to do something, find some place to step in, some way to serve, some way to leverage your life, your resources, your skills for the sake of making Christ known, both here in Spartanburg and to the nation. So would you, would you thank our panelists for being here today with a round of applause? Thank you guys so much. As we transition, I want to show you a a video real quick of one of our partners who could not be here today for the panel because he's busy working with his family in South Asia. Um, He was just here about a week and a half ago, and so we got a chance to record him sharing what he would have shared if he could have been here. So pay attention to this here.
6: Good morning, Hope Point Church. My name is Chris, and alongside my wife and my children, Cohen, Eden, and Jude, it is a joy to join you this morning. For the past nine years, we've had the privilege of serving the Lord Jesus and his church as missionaries in South Asia. In our context, there are more unengaged, unreached people groups than in the rest of the world combined. But in the midst of that darkness, we have seen over the last few years together, a great light begin to shine. I say together because whether you know it or not, Hope Point has been one of our most key and appreciated church partners, helping us to go into the midst of these places and work alongside brothers and sisters in Christ to see faithful, God-honoring churches raised up who hold high the word of the Lord and the mission of the Lord. As we venture forward together, even in these days, we have identified 10 such churches, which is a huge emphasis for us because we truly believe that the local church is ground zero for gospel ministry. Over the next several months, we'll be working in a new endeavor to see local church planters raised up within these local church contexts be given two years to work together, to grow, to be saturated in the scriptures, and all that it means to be a biblical New Testament church, and then be launched out among the least reached people in the world. A few years ago, I got the opportunity to share with you about Kisan, a brother who had come from a difficult background and had seen the Lord carry him through not only to see him come into faith, but be used by the Lord to see others also come. Well, these days, Kissen finds himself working in a tutoring center among the least reached, sent out by his local church to bring the gospel to those who need it. Kissen City has five or six million people in it, many of them unreached people groups. With that kind of daunting lostness, where do you even begin? For Kisan, it's widows and orphans, children who cannot afford proper educations because of difficult family situations. But he helps to provide education for those that begins a conversation that very often leads opportunities in the homes of the people he's serving, where he gets to come and bring good news of academic progress and good news of great joy that is for all the peoples. These days, there's 45 children coming to that tutoring center, every single one from an unreached people group, representing 22 houses in which there are 15 Bible studies in those homes. And we long and pray to see 15 families come and join the body of Christ. How do you reach 5 million? Maybe you start with 15. This kind of church ministry, preparing future church planters, building into current church members and allowing them to gather and grow and go with the Great Commission has been a key point in the development of these churches and their members, seeing all of them behold the glory of Christ afresh. It's an important and critical part of the Great Commission. And it's not just the mission of the church where we live. It's the mission of the church all over. Just as the God of South Asia is the God of Asia, America, Europe, everywhere, so too it is our joy to come to you with encouragement, to say how grateful we are for your partnership in our fields, and to encourage you even in your own fields as you step forward together in the mission of Christ and his church.
1: Amen. Well, I hope as you heard Chris share in the video that this idea of one was just so clear to you. And the the focus, the strategy that they have as they take on the daunting, seemingly impossible task of reaching over a billion people who have no idea who this person named Jesus is. One is so key. One church, one message, one mission. This is the part where I'm supposed to land the plane. I'm enjoying the view too much, though. I mean, this is, we could talk about this all day and only scratch the surface but I hope you've seen it—that whether it's it's in, an, in an, a Barksdale apartment complex, or if it's in a classroom, crowded classroom filled with immigrants in this building, or it's in an orphanage in India, or it's on an earthquake zone in the Middle East, or a church plant where English is being taught in South Asia with Chris, or anywhere else in between, we get to see one church working together—the global church of Christ. Proclaiming one message, the gospel message, and you heard it here from the stage. This is the message that each of these groups is seeking to make known in places where it hasn't been heard, that Christ himself lived a perfect life, was crucified in our place, rose from the the grave on the third day, defeating sin, death, our greatest enemy, and providing for us access to, to God himself in relationship again, eternity with him. This is the one message of the one church and we have one mission to make sure that that message, that gospel truth, reaches every corner of the globe. And until it does, does accomplish that, we have work to do. There's also one promise that Christ gives us in, in the book of Revelation. He gives it to John, chapter, in Revelation chapter seven. He says, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, From every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and all languages, standing before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is what we have to look forward to. This is the promise to the church of what will happen. There's room for an amen there, yes. Every nation, every language, every tribe will be represented that day. But that's not true yet. It's not true for 2023. It's not a reality we can claim yet. And so we have work to do. Urgent, needed, valuable work. And there's no greater work that we can give ourselves to. The only thing that we can do in light of that reality, that promise of what is to come, and all that you heard today about the the great spiritual darkness and lostness that is true about our world today is to say, why not us? Why not me? It's clear in Scripture that everyone that Christ called to follow him, he also called to become a fisher of men and women. Those two tasks weren't separated. You heard it from the stage last week, preached from 2 Corinthians 5, that everyone who has been made a new creation, everyone who would claim the name of Christ has also been made an ambassador for Christ. Church, we have work to do. And until everyone has had a chance to hear so that every nation can bend their knee before the lamb, we must be busy working. And so I want to challenge you as we, as we close this time out to take some step into this work. There's a QR code that's going to be on the screen. And I want to encourage you, even right now, pull your phone out right now. Scan that QR code. And we have some on-ramps for you, some, some very practical ways that you can step into serving. You're not going to offend me if you take your phone out right now. Please go ahead and do that. We won't, we'll forget about it if we don't do it now. We've got ways we want you to, to consider joining our church and serving to take this message down the road to Barksdale, to the nations who are joining us in this building on Monday and Tuesdays, and to the ends of the earth through our other partners. Scan that QR code and you'll find some very clear ways that you can jump in in and, and going and even in praying for that. We also wanna invite you to a special event tomorrow, a, a prayer session that's gonna happen right here in this building tomorrow from 11 to 1.30. Powerful things happen when God's people begin to pray. Revival does not happen because we worked it up Revival happens because we prayed it down. And when God's people come together and they link arms and they pray as one church to fulfill one mission, I believe powerful things happen. And so we're gonna have a very informal time tomorrow during your lunch break somewhere in there. Just drop in, 11 to 1.30. Find a time that works for you. Come and join us. We have some, some very specific ways that we can pray. Nothing flashy, nothing fancy, just God's people on their knees praying. And so consider joining us for that as well. But I hope you'll find some way today to step into the work of living on mission for Christ. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you can join us again next week.